Dave with Bowdrin and Barry, episode 280 of this fine Peabody and Sherman award-winning podcast. I haven't done this one in a while, Barry, where we will not just discuss wrestling. We'll talk TV, movies, uh, music, pop culture. We talk life. Haven't done that one in a while, Barry. Did you miss it? I did miss that. We used to do that all the time. And then it's funny, whenever we describe off-air, when we're talking to a guest that we've never talked with, we always say that, too. We don't just talk about wrestling. We go into that whole spiel. So it's good to hear that again, Jeff. That's why in the province of Newfoundland, Barry, our new listeners, like, uh, isn't that the way you say it? Or are you just making fun of me? I think it's Newfoundland. Okay, that's it. Or Newfoundland. Or Newfoundland. Yes, yes. exactly. The, the females up there, apparently, they love us, Barry. That's what our listeners tell us. So this your sexy voice, Jeff. <laughs> Damn right on that, brother. Uh, so we will be offering up, uh, amongst other things today, uh, our match of the week uh, taking place in a lovely province of Georgia, Barry, known as Gainesville, Georgia, home of your favorite award-winning podcaster yours truly yes it's from gainesville georgia september 26 1992 as rick and scott steiner taking on terry bam bam gordy steve dr death williams from wcw it's good talk uh besides that we're going to talk a little a little food talk we're going to be doing a little extended florida man or not oh people barry they love the florida man or not talk people actually pull the car over on the snow-covered roads in canada because they can't stop laughing about people putting cords in their dick that kind of stuff barry i don't know if we have something that good but we have a lot of fun stuff so i tell you what before we get to our, uh, our, the rest of our show, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Uh-oh. Barry Rose, the time we're recording this, it is Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. I feel compelled, Barry, to ask you, <laughs> how is the lovely Linda doing? Has she recovered from last night's crushing defeat? <sighs> she, took it, she took it in stride. I think it was harder for me, strangely enough. And I'm, again, Linda is uh, roughly my age. Oh, you mean what you meant to say was Linda's far younger than you. Isn't that what you meant to say? Yeah, well, well, Lord knows she looks far younger than I am. And she looks, she, she really is younger. Certainly. I got piles of dirt out in the backyard that look far younger than you, my friend. Exactly. And uh, she is, you know, having grown up here, this is, she's been a lifelong fan. I only jumped on board this year and it was really hard because I saw every game. I, I, you know, I, I lived and breathed. I was wearing, I went to a party last night, a Super party locally i wore my was there drinking involved uh for me a coca-cola beverage okay uh and then chili but and that chili created a whole nother story that oh my god we'll get to that later in the episode yeah but i gotta tell you it was a little disappointing and you know from the I, i i try to stay away I'm still not over the fucking lick, the Knicks, the licks, the, the Knicks. <laughs> I told you I this hate the a tough, this is a tough episode with, with me trying to verbalize anything, but the Knicks losing 29 years ago is still with me. Like I, I, I still, I still haven't shook that off 29 years later. So it, it can be really hard. And look, you saw the game. I'm sure you're a student of the game. That was a game where, in my opinion, we were out coached. I still think Jalen hurts is a, Great A level uh, quarterback. I think he's going to be dominant force in the future, and he already is. But we were out coached by a veteran coach, and uh, we made some key mistakes, and it it showed last night. And it's a shame we only lost by three. There was a lot of heat. 
on the referee for the call with the holding call. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. They, it, we let them unopposed break through our line and go, go get a touchdown three times. Unopposed, nobody even on them. The issue was the defense more than anything else, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, some commentary here from uh, your friend, the Booker. Number one, I will agree with you, Jalen Hurts. Absolutely an epic performance uh, on his part. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, one of the things uh, the lovely Mrs. Bowdrin and I watching the game last night, uh, uh, she was actually kind of more interested in the commercials. We'll get to that maybe in a second. But with about nine and a half minutes to go, one of the things that the announcer said was, OK, well, the voting for MVP has now ended. And I'm like, what? how the fuck do you end the voting with nine minutes left to go in the game? I go and I think it might have been like. It'd be like a one point game or maybe the maybe the Chiefs had just gone up. I go, well, what happens if Jalen Hurts brings it back and uh, wins the game and you've already voted for Mahomes? Or what if somebody else, uh, you know, like makes a, an incredible, you know, the guy for Kansas City ran the punt back like 65 yards. The yeah. linebacker for Kansas City ran, you know, ran the ball back uh, on a fumble that Hurts had. But there was so much shit that that. Could have happened with nine over nine minutes left in the game. How do you end the voting then? And I'm not saying that, you know, it, Mahomes or Hurts uh, wouldn't have been deserving depending on who won. But, you know, like it seemed kind of ludicrous that they were closing the voting so early, Barry. But that being said, uh, you know, it's interesting because I saw online after the game, I was looking to see what people were saying. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jamie Ward was uh, fairly gracious saying, you know, like, yes. uh, it was a, it was a great game. Uh, he said that, uh, uh Jonathan Gannon got out coached by Andy Reid. Eh, my only complaint on that would be Jamie that I think Nick Sirianni was the head coach, uh, you know, uh, and maybe he got out coached by Andy Reid. And uh, by the way, and I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but, uh, I was uh, talking to, to our old friend Flaherty, uh, yesterday before the game started. And I go, you know, one thing I don't get, and. I, I get it. I, I'm not from Philadelphia. I don't understand uh, the, the thought process of somebody that's been a an Eagles fan as long as you know some of our people in our group have been. Why do people in Philadelphia hate Andy Reid so much? Like so, he was a, he was a great coach for years for them. He took him to a Super Bowl. Yes, he lost. Uh, but I, I I don't get you know if this guy was like grade A shit and like never did anything, you know, he got them to one more Super Bowl than Buddy Ryan did. I can tell you that. But Buddy Ryan was beloved in that city. And, you know, I, I maybe you can explain it to me. Well, I can explain it as deep as I know. And I got to say, Jamie Ward hates Andy Reid. So no, I, 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 I've seen evidence of that. That's why I'm asking. I posed this question last night because I was unaware as well. And I posed this at the party and it was actually, there were two different, and the, I got to say the people at the party didn't hate Andy Reed. The first thing they felt that Andy Reed uh, bolted from the city, but the overlying is that they felt that he was a good coach, but a horrible father. Now that that's that's a very I don't know if you're aware, but what no, I, I know the story about his son. Yeah, both of them, right? Uh, I know one's dead from like one's an overdose. Dead from a right. He had gone into rehab, drug overdose, and then of course what happened? I believe earlier this year, or last. Oh yeah, the other one's got the DUI. 
And he, with, but he killed a guy. Yeah, with the fatality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's part of it. I don't know. I, it, there might be something else that Jamie may be privy to. Again, Jamie lives and breathes. Jamie doesn't sit for, for games either. Jamie fucking stands. He's so amped up. And I love that. I, you know, the fact he gets so deep into it. But there is hate for Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now regarding the rest of the game, the one thing I will say, uh, you know, um, you know, Flaherty, I don't know if you know this about him. Uh, he occasionally likes to uh, make a wager, uh, you know. Oh. Uh, now, interestingly enough, he did not bet, uh, you know, uh, for Philadelphia or Kansas City. He told me, oh, no, I just don't want to bet on this game. I don't feel comfortable either way. But I asked him, I said, well, if you were, what is your opinion? And, you know, Dave looks at things with an eye towards, you know, like uh, what are some trends? What, what should I be sure. looking for? And one of the points that he made, and I really wonder whether this is true, I'm not saying it's true, I'm just saying it's food for thought, is that because the Eagles did have a very dominant regular season, and they had, let's be honest, a very dominant postseason. Yes. And whereas the Chiefs, you know, they kind of had to claw their way back to every game and the playoffs and stuff. So were the Eagles prepared for a game like this from like that mental ability to truly come back? When, you know, it's the, what's the old Mike Tyson quote? Uh, everybody thinks there's something until they get punched in the mouth. It's something like that. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. here, uh, metaphorically, the Eagles got punched in the mouth for the first time in the playoffs. Now I will say, you know, when, uh, the chiefs went up 35, 27, welcome to uh, football talk with Bowdrin and Barry, by the way, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, had that drive where they came back and, uh, they, uh, hurts got the touchdown, got the two-point conversion with about five minutes left. Uh, it was very impressive because it would have been very easy for uh, certain teams to just fold the tents at that point and, uh, you know, have to punt the ball. Mahomes gets it back, and pretty much you're dead in the water at that point. Uh, but uh, they went back, tied the score. The Eagles, uh, you know, like go on defense. Now, let's talk about that. The Eagles' defense had an amazing season. I think they were like uh, one of the top – teams as far as sacks uh they they got on their opponents like like I, I think it was since like either the ravens in 2000 or the bears in 85 so they were being compared with some pretty highfalutin defenses and they ended up the game with a grand total of zero sacks which i gotta say if i'm an eagles fan i gotta be sitting there wondering what the hell happened to our defensive line or our linebackers not being able to put pressure now uh, from that point of view, very well, maybe Jamie has the point where he said, you know, our, our defensive coach, you know, uh, Gan Jonathan Gannon, who, by the way, is supposedly going to get the Colts job at the time we're recording this. But why weren't they able to put pressure on her? That's a fair point, I believe. Uh, and something that uh, as you know, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to wonder now, of course, let's get down. Uh, we got the famous uh, play now uh, with the holding call. OK. And. Certainly, if it had happened, if it let's put it this way, if it wasn't called, uh, if Kansas City kicks the field goal, they're up three, and there's like a minute, 40 seconds, keep or take one or two seconds either way. And, you know, there's a good chance the Eagles go down and they can, at the bare minimum, tie the score. Yes, that's absolutely fair. But I love the people that say you can't make that call at that point in the game. Okay, that, that's that's an opinion I've seen from a lot of people. But the thing that I wonder is, but if it's a penalty, how can you not call it? Because as I watched the play, okay, and, you know, Kim kind of looked up from her phone. So what happened? And I said, well, here, here's the replay. And when he first goes to cut, 
I think you can see, I think his name is James, is it James Bradbury? Was that the guy's name? Do you remember? I don't. I, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I think that was the guy's name. He tugs the side of his jersey and the guy gets away from him and is going and he sort of puts his hand on his back. I don't know if the call was on the first tug, which I think it should have been a call because he did he did grab the jersey. And by the way, uh, the guy admitted it. Bradbury said at the end of the, you know, after the game was over. Yes, he yes did. I did grab it. I, I think that was the call. Now, if the call was on the second motion where he kind of puts his hand on his back, then that absolutely shouldn't have been called. That was kind of a BS call. But if what the official called was the first tug of the jersey, he tugged the guy's jersey. What do you want? Now, what I find hilarious is as much as Eagles fans are, you know, I'm sure upset. And uh, God knows if I was an Eagles fan, I'd be upset too. I mean, I'll just put that out there. What I find particularly hilarious, Barry, is the outrage is not covering from Cholminski. It's not coming from Jamie. Diehard Eagles fans. The guy that expressed more fucking outrage, not just in our group, but on his own page, is Joe Dombrowski, who's not even a fucking Eagles fan. Joe, what are you doing, my man? Joe Dombrowski <laughs> must have posted, I'm not kidding, 10 to 15 posts about how this is bullshit. I don't, I'm like, this guy is like a Bucks fan. What is he fucking outraged about? I think he's a Bucks fan or he's a... Well, uh, he's he's like Ric Flair. He's a Bucks fan this Redskins week. Redskins fan or Redskins fan next fan. week. Uh, he's yeah, he's the Ric Flair of uh, football fans in our group. Uh, yeah. anyway, love you, Joe. But uh, so, yeah, so that's my thought. It, it was a great fucking game. I, you know, it's a horrible, horrible ending, uh, you know, for uh, for Philadelphia fans. Uh, you know, if they had won, I might have had to go out and, and buy a Cowboys jersey just to piss people off. at the fan <laughs> So now I won't have to do that. But I'm glad Linda's doing good. Uh, you know, uh, I raise a beverage to uh, your Eagles, a dominant season. Uh, as Jamie said, uh, I think in one of his posts in his own page, he said it was a hell of a run. And, you know, you can't be disappointed. And besides all that, good Lord, they've got two first-round draft choices coming up in the draft. Uh, they're, they're not going anywhere uh, in the near uh, near future. This team's going to be hanging around for a while. Uh, one other thing I do love, Barry, uh, is, uh, gee, it was about two or three years ago when the Eagles fans that I knew really shit on Howie Roseman, the GM. Yes. Now, yeah. now everyone loves Howie Roseman. It's funny how fickle football fans are. Absolutely. So, J Jeff, the big question, too. Everyone's talking about it today. What did you think of the halftime performance by Rihanna? I can't answer because I got to be honest with you. I, I didn't watch it. There you go. Yeah. So uh, the next question that everybody, well, what did you think about it? I, I let's put, have some Rihanna talk, Barry. <laughs> what the world is waiting for. Yes. I could have, uh, I didn't like it. Uh, and, and this has, you know, for some reason, I, people were, yeah, I, I won't even, you know, I'm not even going to open that, those can of worms. I thought it was a lazy halftime performance. And I thought, I was thought she it, lip syncing. I saw somebody she says, was, but they a, a lot do. So I don't, I don't have an issue. What I got is that she didn't do anything that was spectacular that somebody else couldn't have done. I like the way it was set up. I mean, she must have been 100 feet in the air. There were 100, at least 100 backup dancers on all these different platforms, some in the air, some not. But I think you could have put anybody there and they would have done well. I don't have an issue. I, I don't care about Rihanna, good, bad, or otherwise. More power to her. Uh, I just, I thought it was kind of, eh, there was nothing really there. For me, 2007 Prince. 
It that's was, what I was going to say. That's still the gold standard. I, fucking as far gold as. standard by far. But everybody, and even last year, look, I like last year, and they caught a lot of heat off of that. But it was like Dr. Dre and Eminem and Snoop Dogg. I thought it was fun. I had a lot of fun watching that last year. I just thought last night, eh, so-so. I didn't really get too much. So the other it. important question, and then we'll move on to our regular portion of our program. Barry, what was your favorite commercial? There were two, Jeff. Uh and you knowing me as well as you do, I had I was, oh the stories I could tell. I was weepy on both, and the one that really got me, I believe, was for Fresh Pet, and it was the little girl that gets a puppy, and the it's, one that ends up uh, having the baby at the end of the uh, yeah, the story and they're all in bed together. And, oh yeah, that was great. That was oh that was certainly God. It's my top three. Me. That was it. It killed me. And then there was another one uh, where that was also a dog, and I forget exactly what that one was. The even one where for. The, the, they leave them and the dog. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was yes. Uh, you, we both think alike. That was yes. So we do. I, will say, I will say those are my two favorite. My the third one in my top three. Uh, giving credit where it's due because this involves someone that I can't fucking stand. But the Ben Affleck J Lo commercial was really yeah, fucking. It was funny. That, that you know that was one of the very early ones they did where Ben Affleck's working the drive-through line at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, J Lo pulls up in the car. Is this what you're doing when you say you're going to work? And that was that was pretty funny stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so good time. So now then, Barry, how about we go to a little match of the week discussion? Barry, time for a match of the week discussion. Oh. We are going to the rings of WCW. September 26, 1992, as it is the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, taking on the miracle violence connection of Terry, Bam, Bam, Gordy, and Steve, Dr. Death Williams. This match taking place where, you know, uh, I just I know it was worldwide. That's all I know, though. Gainesville, Georgia. Have you wow. heard about it, man? Yeah, I have I, heard about it. I saw that. and I was like, fucking hey, man, <laughs> that's so. pretty cool. Yeah, the town where I reside. So, Barry Rose, tell the good folks listening what you thought about this matchup between two. I will tell you right off the get-go. Uh, two great tag teams. And in 1992, uh, you'd be hard-pressed uh, to say that these uh, these two teams weren't at the very bare minimum in the top five worldwide. They, and I would think that they were. I, I'll tell you exactly what I thought. First off, good match. Only goes about 10 minutes or so, a little under 10 minutes, which for me is perfect. I, you know, sometimes the long matches don't always translate as well to me, but next week is a 70 minute classic. Barry. Oh. The, the, will this be like the ultimate the, warrior versus, I don't know. So. Th this won't be like an Enoki Saito Island match that goes <laughs> yes. on for like five hours where they just sit and rest hold. Please. Well, that'll be, that'll be our very last episode when it comes to that point down. Yes. Line. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to both of those guys, by the way, but I enjoy this match. Look, you've got uh Gordy and Williams who were arguably at least it, maybe at this stage and certainly towards the, uh, the end of the eighties, they were, if not my favorite tag team, they were also two of my favorite wrestlers. I really enjoyed that hard-hitting style. I will always be a major Terry Gordy fan, but I, I think... Well, wait a minute, Barry. Uh, let me just interrupt you there, because what I was advised of is on a, another message board. <clears throat> Apparently, some think that Terry Gordy is overrated. What do you say to that? Yeah, and I, I, you and I discussed this off-air last week. and I don't uh, know if somebody was drunk and posted that, but... Uh, well, the, the, this was, if I'm correct, these were a couple of the same people that also felt that 
Japanese wrestling is overrated. They don't get it. And that people, and I forget, I, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't remember exactly what the wording was, but that people that really are heavily into Japanese wrestling are kind of pretentious. So, uh, so it's nice when you can generalize and make these statements. And, uh, I, you know, I find that just, well, great. I guess I'm fucking pretentious, Barry. What I'm, can pretent- I tell you? I'm a lot, I'm a lot. I'm pretentious. I'm a lot of different things, but, uh, but a- as it comes down to, I love Terry Gordy. I, I, I think if anything, maybe Terry Gordy in some ways was underrated. Uh, he was a big man who could do it all. He was believable. He wasn't boring. Look, that's just my opinion. I'm certainly no expert. Put him with Steve Dr. Death Williams, and I think you've got one of the hardest-hitting tag teams we may have ever seen. What I like about this match, and I got to say, too, we talked about Rick Steiner recently. I was a Rick Steiner fan in his early days. Then I kind of phased out of him. And Scott Steiner as well. Scott Steiner around 90, 91 having great matches. I think he was unlimited with potential. And at some point, and I don't, I don't know when though I can maybe say, maybe it's around this time. They, they became a little lazy. And to me, the revelation of this match is just how lazy the Steiner brothers kind of look, especially Rick, who just does his kind of goofy plodding around the ring, slowly doing circles. But I wasn't really blown away with the Steiner brothers in this match. And I think a lot of it, when we sit back and we kind of uh, wax poetically about all the Steiner brothers and all that, I don't know. I I think there was a short run where they were very exciting and they kind of were out there getting their paycheck and doing whatever. Again, the flip on that, I think Williams and Gordy look great. And and I I don't think these guys really phoned it in. I Gordy obviously had some health issues and uh, shouldn't have been wrestling towards the tail end of his career before he passed. But, uh, I, I liked the match. I liked I liked all that they were doing. I thought it was I thought the ending was kind of weird. And I gotta say also, Jeff, I don't know about you, but I did not remember that Gordy and Williams were the WCW World Tag Team Champions. I had no memory of that whatsoever. Uh with that, they wind up, and I'm gonna spoiler alert here from a match that's 30 years old, but they wind up doing the job. On non-title world. match. Yeah, but it's on worldwide as well. Like not even on the flagship TBS show. They're doing worldwide, just doing the job to the Steiners in like nine minutes. And I, I got to tell you, I hated that part of it. With it, there are worse ways to spend 10 minutes. I think this will be a lot of fun for people that are fans of any of these guys. So a couple things. First of all, the person that thinks Terry Gordy uh, is overrated. I uh, actually had a little uh, interaction with the uh, the administrator of that particular uh, Facebook group. And I said, uh, oh, did you? <laughs> I said, first of all, who the fuck is this clown that says this? You know, uh, and, you know, you're right. Everybody can have, a, you know, opinions are like assholes. Is that what they say? Everyone's got one. Yeah. And, you know, but this is like saying the sky is not blue. Uh, you know, yes, uh, you're right. Yes, I mean, you're right. Is, if if you can't see that Terry Gordy was a great wrestler, I don't know what I, you know, first of all, why are you in a wrestling group? You know, uh, people can sit there and agree. I, you could say that you think Hulk Hogan is the greatest wrestler of all time. If that's what you feel like, that's yeah, fine. But, you know, if you, uh, if you feel like somebody that actually was a great wrestler that, as we pointed out on this show before, started wrestling when he was 14 years old was headlining the Superdome when he was like 18 or 19, was on uh, a national cable uh, station show when he was like 
19 or 20 years old. I mean, th- this guy was a fucking legend. And what were you doing at age 18 or 19? Were you headlining the Superdome or were you popping a zit in front of your mirror when you weren't jerking off in the shower? I mean, come on. Terry Gordy is a fucking legend. And uh, if you can't see that, I just don't know what I can uh, offer to you in the way of uh, wrestling wisdom, uh, advice, or knowledge, because it's clearly flown over your head. Yeah, and here's the irony of that whole situation as well. Look, you and I, and and I think, I want to say, I think at least when we base our opinions on something, we're not just looking at it as this is what I like. I think we're able to see the history of what somebody has done. And certainly age and wisdom or lack thereof will go along with this because collectively we've been fans for a hundred fucking years at this point. We're each, you and I are each fans for 50 years. The guy, one of the guys that was saying that Terry Gordy was overrated and doesn't get it. The same person that said they don't get Japanese wrestling has also publicly stated before that their favorite wrestler of all time is Sabu. So I, again, I I won't even get into that right now, but I mean, obviously opinions will vary. It doesn't make what you like any better or any worse. You know, there, there was a guy years ago and I don't know this guy either. So I don't know if he, you know, playing with a full deck and I'm assuming he wasn't, but I, I would post like, you know, Jack Briscoe, top 10 of all time, which in my opinion, that Jack Briscoe is probably top 10 of all time. And this person came back and said, no, way too boring. Mr. Pogo, top 10 of all time. (laughs) So (laughs) I got to tell you, Mr. Pogo wouldn't even agree with that. (laughs) Exactly. So how do you defend that? You, You know what you do, Jeff? Years ago, and I'll always equate this. I worked in New York City and we used manager. Uh, manager. And we used to have a woman who was our beverage specialist. And what that meant was if you needed a beverage, whether it's a fancy coffee, an alcoholic beverage, whatever it was, she would get it ready for you and all you kind of a bartender. Right. So one day we somehow this came up and she said we were talking about pregnancies and she said, oh, yeah, men can get pregnant. And I said, no, you know, men can't get pregnant. They don't have the equipment. They don't have the internal equipment to get pregnant. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. In my country, and I believe she was from China or Singapore, she said men could get pregnant. And I, I spent about 30 seconds, and then she was going, no, no, you're wrong. And then I looked at her, and then I realized, what am I doing? Yes, if you want to believe men can get pregnant, I salute you, and I'm proud of you for that. You know what I mean? I'm the idiot for arguing with you is how I looked at it. So by the same token, if you think Terry Gordy is overrated, more power to you. I wouldn't waste my energy even arguing something like that. So anyway, so getting back to this match, uh, we have uh, the finishes, uh, again, spoiler alert for a 30-year-old match, uh, uh, Rick uh, hits uh, Gordy with a German suplex into a bridge for the one, two, three. Uh, We've got a non-title win for the Steiners over Gordian Doc. Uh, So, um, you know, this obviously sets up the continuation. If you, you know, it was interesting because Gordian Doc, as much as I love seeing him there, and I want to say this had to uh, be at the time, uh, or at least right around the time that Bill Watts was the booker, because Bill Watts loved both those guys, and I'm sure that's why uh, they were brought in. And uh, like you said, feuding with the Steiners, four guys that could definitely this time go, that could definitely do the physical style. Uh, it's very interesting because the Steiners were doing matches with New Japan. Gordian Doc, of course, affiliated with All Japan. So from a political standpoint, 
you know, the fact that Gordy did the job here on a, on a show that was on television had to, uh, you know, had to ring out, uh, in the land of the rising sun, like, you know, uh, from the, the guys in all Japan, like what the fuck are you doing, doing a job for a new Japan guy, that kind of thing. You just uh, made a really, really good point that yeah, you know, my once an episode, good point. Go ahead. So if we put it on worldwide, is it kind of hidden as opposed to putting it on TBS That's where they true. would see, there you go. Like it. So, so now let me ask you, uh, before we wrap up this discussion, we'll post a link to this, uh, the match it, it's again, it's a fun 10 minutes, uh, brawling, hard hitting style, uh, two great tag teams. So Barry Rose, let's just say that, uh, you're out at a uh, local watering hole. I know you frequent those places often oh, yeah. and you're having a beverage and, uh, you look over, Oh, uh, there's a uh, Rick and Scott Steiner. Uh, they're, uh, entertaining, uh, some guests and stuff like that. And, uh, Oh, look here through the door comes Terry Gordy and Steve, Dr. Death Williams. And they look across the bar at one another. And let's just say this is a real life situation here. Who you got your money on is going to be the one person that walks out of that bar between all four of these guys. Yep. In order. going to be then let me just say this is strictly for entertainment purposes that's true no no betting on this please yes i am no there's no gambling at bushwood sir so if i'm walking down if i'm in the bar there's a ball a brawl breaking out a brawl breaking out or a ball or a ball (laughs) the guy i want next to me first would be terry gordy followed by steve williams and then you flip a coin on the Steiner brothers. I don't know which one was tougher, but I, I, the only reason I would say Gordy over Williams and I might've, I, I, you can make a strong case for Williams was when you saw Williams get knocked out in that brawl for all brawl for all, uh, the verbiage I, is right on point this episode, Barry. Oh my God. <laughs> I I'm literally stumbling over. Like you are a cunning linguist, my friend, three letter words, and I still can't get them out. So I, I feel that something was lost with Williams and his aura when he lost to Bart Gunn in that, uh, brawl for all. I have no idea in a street fight. I'm still going to go with Gordy, but it's Gordy or Williams for sure. All right. Interesting. So we will post a link to this match. Once again, in our group, uh, Breaking Cafe with Bowdrin and Barry, check it out. Like Barry says, yeah, you're looking at basically a 10, 11 minute segment, including the walk-ups and the post-match, uh, you know, situation. So it's a fun look at back at 30 years. Uh, lots of people in this group I know grew up on this version of WCW and, uh, it's a really fun retrospective, uh, with a great match between two all-time great tag teams. Barry Rose, I know you love a good food talk now and again, occasionally just to whet the appetite mm. of Frankie Seacrest and the rest of your fanboys. Ah, that's for you, Frankie. So, Barry, I came across this article. It was posted in our group, but I don't think a lot of people saw it, especially you. The article headline reads, Chefs are revealing all the red flags you should look for in restaurants, oh. and it's mildly horrifying. So, Barry Rose, as a server, and a manager, we will ask you whether or not these uh, tells are accurate or false. So here are some of the most eye-opening response. <laughs> Number one, this is uh, quotes from chefs here, Barry. You tell me if they're true or not. The first thing they told us in culinary school when you're learning food safety is if you enter a seafood restaurant and smell fish, leave. True or false? False. Really? 
Yeah, so there is a look. There is a distinct difference in the smell between fresh seafood and seafood that has gone bad. And I think as you enter into things like shellfish, it becomes even more apparent. Like, have you ever you ever gotten bad shrimp or bad shellfish, and it picks up that ammonia smell? It changes. Now, if if you enter into a, a seafood restaurant, I mean, if you look, if it's overly strong and nauseating, yeah, something's wrong. But at the same time, I, I go into a fish market or, or a seafood restaurant. I think I expect to smell seafood. You know, it doesn't have to be completely overpowering or overwhelming. But at the same time, that, that that's kind of the norm. I mean, guess what? You know, I'm not breaking any news here. Fish can kind of smell fishy at times, you know. So I used to work back in my college days at a uh, a local bookstore, and about three doors down from us was a fish market. And, you know, we sold stuff like uh, cigarettes, candies, that kind of stuff. And the guys that worked the market would come in, and when they first opened it up, oh, my God, they'd walk in, and, like, literally the entire bookstore would smell like fish. It was horrible. So then to uh, change that, they would come in and they would be, I mean, doused in cologne berries. Well, I'm not sure what was worse, the the right. fish smell or the really bad. And it wasn't like they were wearing, uh, you know, your high end uh, uh, stuff like uh, Barry Rose would wear. Uh, this was like uh, your uh, your Axe body spray type of like really, holy crap, what is that? So number two, Barry, continuing here, it says, uh, the quote is, carpet is a red flag. Yeah, it's quieter and it doesn't get slick. But it's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen at a restaurant. Vacuuming only goes so far in a restaurant, and I know they've never, ever shampooed the one in my place. True or false, Barry? I'm going to say that's true, and I, I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to up the ante on this one. Carpeting in general to me is kind of disgusting. It's uh, I go to hotels, and if my hotel room has carpeting, my socks aren't coming off. Do you I, like a nice shag carpet? Oh, uh, could you imagine? <laughs> like to me, that's it's the grossest possible thing because carpeting in itself is really a trap for all types of bacteria and all kinds of shit. But a shag carpeting and then carpeting in hotels. No, I that's uh, like sleeping on the bedspread at the oh, Hotel Six. That's another right there, exactly. You oh. don't want to go over that with the uh, what is it, the the black light or or the whatever black light? That yeah, black, yes, you do not. The only carpeting, Jeff, that I'm a fan of would be Berber, which essentially there's nothing to it, right? <laughs> like you, can, oh, Barry Rose. I think I can yeah. speak for both of us when we say uh, there's one kind of carpet we both like. Oh, <laughs> thank you very right, much. Right. Bing, thank you. I'll be here all weekend. Number three. If a restaurant has a one-page menu, that's usually a pretty good sign. It means their line cooks have become specialists and can usually nail all the dishes listed. Conversely, if a restaurant has a giant multi-page menu, that's a giant red flag. True or false? True, but there are exceptions because I, I think the biggest menu probably either of us have ever seen, Jeff, would be a Cheesecake Factory, and they do a pretty good job. If we're talking independent mom and pop restaurants, I do think that it can be a red flag when the menu is you know, literally like war and peace. Yes. So continue with that theme. The next statement, number four, is if a restaurant has a huge menu, it's all frozen. True or false? Uh, a lot of that is true. And I'll tell you a good example are diners because you can go into a diner diner. That menu can be a couple of pages long. There's everything, all types of seafood, all that. They're not getting fresh seafood on a daily basis. That shit's all frozen. So yeah. 
Number five, Barry, ask where your oysters come from. If they don't know, you don't want them. Same for most seafood. True or false? True. And there's another reason why I would tell you that's true is that uh, in Pennsylvania, and I, I, Pennsylvania, Jersey, and I'm going to assume maybe it's national, and I don't know that for a fact. If you order shellfish, clams, oysters, things like that, uh, there is a tag a metal tag that comes on the bag and you have to keep that tag for an indeterminate amount of time. I'll say six months, but I don't know what the window is any longer. And that is because if somebody eats those oysters and gets sick, uh, then you're able to refer to the tag. It'll tell you exactly where it came from. Yeah. You want to know exactly where your shellfish is coming from. Number six, Barry, this is one I have heard about, so I think you can play confirm uh, here as opposed to deny. Number six, most often lemons for water are really gross and dirty. Yes, they are. And so here's the thing. Never, and I tell you this, never get lemon in your water because what happens- Or your iced tea, by the way. Or your iced tea. Any beverage, don't do it because why? They're not washing the lemons. They literally take the lemon, they cut them, they put them in. You're taking a lemon that has been grown on trees. It's mixed with all kinds. There's fertilizer. God knows what's on the lemon that's now in your water. People think that it's the ice. And yeah, ice ain't great. But at the same time, if you drink lemon water at a restaurant and you get sick, there's a great chance you've caught some sort of foodborne illness. Yeah, uh, when I order my iced tea at a restaurant, it's yep. uh, lots of ice, no lemon, thank you. Number Very seven, smart. Barry, stay away from buffets and salad bars. A lot of times, it's just the same stuff that gets refilled over and over. Super gross. True or false? There are eight million reasons to stay away from salad bars and buffets. And Are you uh, trying to say that Shoney's <laughs> was not healthy? Yeah, I'm trying to say absolutely. I'm trying to say, first off, the recycling part, 100%. If, if, you're, if where you live in, in your town has an Indian buffet, do you think that they're making fresh tandoori chicken to put on that Indian buffet? Hell no. That's the stuff that's getting ready to spoil and go bad. You'll find that in most restaurants. And Arby's, I, I saw this the other day and I was watching this. Arby's has a new product out, Jeff. I don't know if you've seen it. It's $5. It's, I think it's bacon mac and cheese with chicken tenders. Do you for one second think that they're making any of this shit fresh? No, this is <laughs> they're not they're not back there, uh, you know. No. Oh yeah, no. No, they're looking and going. So what what didn't we throw out yesterday that's getting ready to spoil? And when you work in a restaurant, everything is supposed to be by law day dotted, meaning if this was received on a Monday, it's got to be day dotted on a Monday. If you cooked it on a Tuesday, you've got a day dotted on a Tuesday, and you literally would have either 48 or 72 hours to use the product that is safety. So with that, no. Buffets to me, and buff, I mean, you've got a million reasons. Buffets, have you ever seen, and I, I don't want to offend people, but this is going to offend people. A lot of people go to these buffets they, their kids stick in their fucking hands in the food. People are sneezing and or coughing. And that's why essentially during COVID, all buffets were gone. They have come back. I mean, Golden Corral built an entire business based off a of buffet. I, uh, I still don't feel comfortable going to buffets. And uh, continuing on that theme at number eight, no matter how well managed a buffet is, it can never be sanitary. It is yeah. not reasonably possible to run a sanitary buffet business. True? True, 100%. Okay, number nine, if you are seated right away during peak hours, that is a red flag. The common folks aren't eating there, and for a good reason. True or false? 
I'm going to say false on that one. I mean, yeah, I, I, I understand the point that the author is trying to make, but there's a lot of variables to it. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could also do your research before you go to a restaurant. Do you ever walk into a restaurant blind or do you do you pull it up or just? Oh, no, no. We, we pull up the uh, the Google you will. Right. I mean, at this stage of our lives, everybody, you know, whether it's our phone or everybody's got, you could see a million reviews for anywhere. Nobody walks into a restaurant blind any longer, I don't think. Okay. Number 10, if you order a meal that should take a long time to cook and it comes out very quickly, it's been pre-cooked. True or false? Generally, very true. Very true. But with that, that's not there. Look, there's nothing wrong with that. There was a restaurant and, uh, was in an area called Narberth, Pennsylvania, which is about, uh, for me, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes. And they had an interesting concept. They were essentially the cutlet kings and queens of PA. And what they would do is they had all these different types of cutlets. They did pork, chicken, veal. Spoiler alert, Jeff, do you know a lot of restaurants will serve veal cutlet and it's tr- actually pork cutlets? How dare them? Well, and I think that's terrible, right? Because first off, the cost of pork versus veal, veal being five to 10 times more expensive, but for religious reasons as well, you could be fucking people over. So there were, I've seen this happen in restaurants, but anyways, what they would do is they would make all their cutlets in the morning. And then throughout the day, if somebody wanted a sandwich with cutlets, they could heat it up literally in you know, a minute and then put whatever condiments that you wanted on. So they weren't making the cutlets fresh, but at the same time, the cutlet wasn't really losing a whole lot. So, uh, yeah, look, if, a, if a well-done steak, if you get a well-done filet, a 12 ounce, well-done filet mignon, and you're not getting it butterflied, you know, that's going to take you 25 minutes to cook, right. Or close to it. If you're getting it in five minutes. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been par cooked is what it's called. Number 11, very catch of the day restaurants better have a lake or an ocean within a 50 mile radius. <laughs> if they're advertising fresh caught Alaskan salmon and you aren't in Alaska, chances are that shit is not fresh. Well, I mean, that's simple math, right? I have to agree. <laughs> He's right. He's right. Number 12, when there are pictures of food on the menu that clearly aren't from the restaurant. And that happens again all the time. Yeah, be concerned. I'd be number concerned thirteen, Barry. Seeing fruit flies. Fruit flies are an indication of a dirty kitchen. It's not true, and I'm going to explain that too. And I've actually offered this to restaurants that I've been in. So they're actually not fruit flies. They're called drain flies, and they come from a a moist, wet drain. And uh, I just love saying the word moist, but they, they, <laughs> uh, favorite words. It, yeah. For some reason, I just, I'm like a four. Oh, yeah. Lou, are you there? Lou, could you join us for just one second? My man. I am here. Lou, Lou. just because I know, uh, the fans out there, Lou has his own fanboys too, Barry. Absolutely. Uh, so do you, uh, Jeff. So do you, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, but Lou, because you are the man with the vocal stylings, unlike any others, Lou, could you do the listeners a favor? Just say the word moist oh okay then moist boom patreon money right there barry that's all i gotta say thank you lou appreciate you brother jeff you have a very sexy voice though well thank you i try i try yes appreciate that so uh so long story (laughs) short the so the the drain flies which could also be called filth flies uh There is an easy way to kill them a lot of restaurants will get them uh but if you do get them the easiest way to kill them is ice 
down the, actually bleach down the drain the bleach will kill the adults that won't bleach kill pretty much anything <laughs> for the most part right and then ice kills the eggs that are also down the drain so if you ever see it uh in a restaurant and i don't think you need to run unless it's ruining your meal doesn't mean the kitchen's dirty at all though okay next number 14 if the area is busy but the restaurant is empty that's usually a bad sign that's usually a bad sign <laughs> i can't argue that one. <laughs> that is that is i'll agree all right number 15 in culinary school every single chief instructor says the same thing if it's misspelled on the menu, that's on purpose. It's so they don't have to sell you the real thing. A prime example is crab cakes spelled with a K. No, absolutely ridiculous. I've never heard that before. It, it, you could sell crab. It doesn't mean anything. So crab cakes spelled with a K wouldn't mean anything now. Number 16, Barry. Now, here's one that is a <laughs> personal thing with me. Uh, right. I don't know about you. I'm guessing uh, you're in agreement with on this. When the menus are super dirty and never cleaned, that means everything is super dirty and never cleaned. 100%. I'd agree. The old adage, too, and I know that you've heard this because you and I have talked about it. I, I go to a restaurant. Within the first 10 minutes, I usually go to the bathroom to check out the bathroom. If the bathroom is a literal shithole, see what I did there? Yeah, thank you. That, that generally means if they're not cleaning an area that the majority of customers are going to be visiting, then imagine what the areas that customers don't go into look like. So yeah, I, I'm big on menus. If you walk into a place and the menu's filthy and there's food crusted on it, I I would maybe start to look for the door. Yeah, and, and, you know, you might want to point that out to the server or manager and say, ah, yeah, your menu here needs to be cleaned. That's that's uh, generally. If you have to point that out, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Then yeah. you need to get the hell out of there because yeah. Number 17, I always look for how the staff interact with each other. If they all seem to enjoy being there and coordinate well more often or not than not, it's because everything is running smoothly and they have a good system, which usually means they know what they're doing and you can expect good food. Well, yes and no. I, I don't know. I, I would say if they're working together and enjoying themselves, maybe there is a coordination when it comes to service. I don't know how that would reflect on the food unless, you know, well, hold on, Barry, let me ask you, cause okay. the next one kind of goes along with this. Number 18 says, watch the wait staff. If the majority of them seem disgruntled or upset, things probably aren't great. They probably don't care about your food. If they're being treated fairly. I think that's more accurate than the other statement, because if you have an angry and look, let's be honest, most people, especially as adults that are working as servers in restaurants, probably are disgruntled, right? Like they're they're not thrilled to be fucking waiting on people. Uh, so I would say, yeah, if you have an angry, shitty wait staff, that could also translate to your food because that anger could be the entire building. So, yeah, that one actually makes a little bit of sense to me. Number 19, Barry. Don't order fish on Sundays. Most pe yep. places Agreed. get their fish deliveries on a Monday and on a Thursday. Fish goes off fairly quickly. And on a Sunday, it's not really great. Well, yeah, yes, depending on where you are. If you're in a big city like New York, you're probably, even in Philly, we, we could get a fish delivery on a Saturday. Typically, it is Monday through Friday. With that, 
there's there's probably in any city there's multiple fish companies so i'm sure that there are some that may even deliver on a sunday now i don't even know that but the old rule of thumb was yeah it's like sushi it's like when you go to a restaurant and you don't eat a lot of sushi jeff but a lot of places, <laughs> that's fair a, a lot of places will do all you can eat sushi on on like a sunday night and let me tell you there's a reason they're doing all you can eat sushi on a Sunday night because it means they got the delivery like Wednesday or Thursday. And uh-huh, by the weekend, that's a good tip for the listener. Yeah, bro. they got to get that shit out. So never. Uh, and I would tell you, you know, depending on your sushi restaurant, because some are going to be impeccable for sure. But if if you think that one sushi place might be a little suspect, first off, stay away. If you have any doubts, stay away. Never go on a Sunday or a weekend. All right. Just a few more here before we wrap up. Uh, if your server's response to how is the item seems disingenuous, that's a big red flag. They know what goes on in the kitchen. They know the complaints and they know which items to stress over when they deliver them. No, not at all. It's a, Look, if your server is disingenuous or disengaged from service, it's because they hate their fucking job and it's understandable. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible job. You can make some quick cash, but it's an ugly. That has nothing because you have a server that might be disingenuous doesn't mean that you don't have somebody back in the kitchen putting out quality food. That's two different worlds, right? All there. right. Next one. I look for dust, dust on the ceiling tiles or in the air conditioning vents. I also have a habit of running my finger along chair frames after I sit down to check for dust. I like that. And I'm going to tell you why years ago when I was uh, a young restaurant manager, I think I'd been a manager. Full head of hair. Full head of hair, lean belly, still had energy. Didn't drive in the the women wild. Yeah. Back in those days. And, I was uh, maybe two years into a career and like a district manager came in and he said, come over here. I want you to sit down at this table with me. And, it, you know, and he brings me to a nondescript booth in the restaurant. We sit down and he goes, what do you see? And I, I don't know what that meant. And I was like, tell me what you're looking for. And he goes, well, if you sit here, what do you see? And I start to tell him what he was what he was looking for and what he had meant, which I don't think I, I delivered on that was that especially for restaurant people, we get into a routine, we walk the same routes, we do the same things. His point was, go grab a seat at a table that maybe you've never sat at and just start to look. And the big thing is going to be dust. Look up, look at the lamp above you. Is it covered in dust? It was covered in dust. So yeah, there's a really good point with that, but that's also a really good teaching and learning opportunity for the staff at times. You know, I always wonder, uh, Barry, uh, I know down in, uh, in, Fort Lauderdale, where we lived, there was a place called the Peter Pan Diner, uh, yeah. and that was twenty four hour place. Uh, in uh, Marietta, there's the famous Marietta Diner that's been on all these national shows on the Food Network, and they're both twenty four hour places. And I always wonder myself, when are they cleaning? Really, like you know, when do they have the okay? It's time to go and just knock out a good cleaning shot on the restaurant. W- when do they do that? It never happens. It's, yeah, exactly. That's it, my point. Yeah, but right. But what does happen is they're they're probably cleaning throughout the day during the slower periods. So it, they're not going to get that, as you just said, they're not going to get that deep intrinsic cleaning. That's not happening. But the the general maintenance and cleaning is probably just taking place throughout the day. All right. Number 22. How does the place actually smell? Does it smell like good food? Then it likely is. But if it smells like perfume or something sterile, that could be a sign that they're trying to hide something unpleasant. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, but you could take that into anywhere you go. If you walk into a place and you're smelling bleach, very strong cleaning products, even that scented cherry shit that, you know, that they would use to mop the floors. That's a good rule. You know, if, if we're trying to disguise an odor with another horrific odor, that's a pretty big sign right there to stay away. All right, last one, Barry. If a pitcher of water touches your glass, it also has touched everyone else's glass. And if you can't see them pour your water, there's something wrong. Yes and no. I mean, I, I get the point of what he's trying to say. And, uh, you know, there's a lot. Let me, you know, I I, I don't want to. But have you ever, in every every restaurant that has a soda machine, there are black nozzles that are supposed to be taken off and cleaned at the end of every day. The majority of restaurants don't do it. Some will do this once a month. When you remove the black nozzle, the amount of black, brown, and green mold in there is just, it's staggering. Ever gotten ice and your ice might look a little dirty? Or, or maybe you've got a little funky taste. It's because people aren't cleaning the soda machines or the ice machines enough also. I don't think I'm going to go out to eat anymore. I know. You, <laughs> you don't want to know. Honestly, if you did, you would just stay fucking home. It's the well, and, you know, the, the last thing I'm going to say as we uh, wrap this up is, yeah, you know, the old uh, thing about where the guy comes to uh, deliver your uh, your beverages, your drinks, whether it's water, soda or whatever. Sure. And the thumb. Well, as it's. Handing you the glass. <laughs> look at it th- yeah, well, look at it this way. Did you ever watch when somebody's cleaning a table and they'll pick up the glasses by their fingers? Do you think when he, that person that's picked that up, so they've picked up the glasses and I'm talking the part that you drink. So that way they could pick up four or five, bunch them all together. Do you think that guy's washing his hands when he goes to the back and he's just had his hands in the glasses of four or five people? Absolutely not. He's not doing it. You know, very last week, we weren't able to do any Florida man or not stories. And what? Well, I know, you know, the fans, they reach out to me uh, privately uh, via phone calls, text, uh, you know, homing pigeons. Where the fuck is the Florida man or not stories? Sure. Uh, I can tell you, while we do not have anything uh, involving someone's penis being invaded by a, oh, uh, a cord, geez. you know. Uh, I'm sorry if we disappoint our listeners in New Brunswick, but uh, anyway, (laughs) Barry, we present this week's Florida Man or Not Stories. The first headline, Barry, "Eh, eh, 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 naked man ran through hotel swinging toilet plunger, police say. Eh, 21-year-old man is accused of running naked through a hotel, wielding a toilet, excellent use of the word wielding, uh, a toilet plunger and pulling fire alarms. I, before I, I haven't read this story in Fullberry, I'm going to guess maybe alcohol or drugs. I was <laughs> maybe, Somebody's under the influence. Oh, yeah. Maybe just saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see, see here. Uh, uh, Trevin Hill, 21, was arrested on January 28th and charged with assault while displaying a dangerous, a dangerous weapon. Maybe that toilet plunger had something on it, Barry. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. First degree criminal mischief and disorderly conduct, according to online booking records. According to the police department, he approached a victim on the 18th floor stairway uh, at the Marriott with a toilet plunger. Wait a minute. I got to press the read more here. Uh, According to court documents, the naked man yelled, quote, I'm going to effing get you. Uh, it does say expletive deleted, but I'm going to guess that <laughs> using a little artistic license here, Bear. 
Oh, this is good. As he chased the victim. So you're in a hotel, okay? And, yes. And you're, you're, yes. Wait a minute. Uh, what was it? Was it a Marriott? Yeah, you're Marriott. in a Marriott. It's a decent yeah. hotel. You're on the 18th floor, <laughs> okay? You probably paid a couple hundred bucks for the room. Sure. And you've got some naked asshole changing, uh, chasing after you with a toilet plunger. <laughs> you know, Barry Rose, Florida man or not. So the visual, uh, and look, you and I have stayed in plenty of hotels. So you're out to dinner. Maybe you're with the wife. You're getting back. It's 1130. You take the elevator. You've had a couple of drinks, maybe a slight buzz going. You take the elevator up to the 18th floor. You're possibly going to get a little romantic with your, your partner. And when you step out, there is a naked man running up and down the hallway screaming, I'm going to get you, wielding a a toilet plunger. The visual alone is fucking fantastic. I am going to say, I'm going to say this is Florida. So, Barry Rose, let me ask you, first of all, you're wrong. It's not Florida. But but, but I was going to ask you, based on the story Give me a, an alternative where you think this might have taken place. Just throw a state out there based on what you've heard, the little information that you have, you know, just say, uh, you know, it could be, uh, you know, whatever sir, state. Sir, there were no hints given in this story. No, no. And that's, that's yeah. why, because yeah. when I tell you what the state is, you're going to go, okay, Shock. that's not one that would have been on my radar. Oh. So. so what state wouldn't like a, uh, like Nebraska wouldn't be on my radar, right? Or Wyoming. I guess Wyoming would actually. Uh, yeah, I, I'll say Nebraska without knowing. Okay, well, so Barry, what you didn't recognize there was without realizing it, I gave you a hint. because, uh, And it's funny because this morning I was watching MASH uh, where it was a uh, farewell or goodbye radar. Okay, so I said this state wouldn't be on your radar Ah, uh, oh, okay, yeah. What, <laughs> yeah go ahead, tell them what state it is. He was from, uh, he's from like Iowa, Iowa, Des Moines, yeah. Iowa. Des Moines. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Actually from Ottumwa, uh, Iowa. So, uh, but yeah, I, like when I first saw this story, I was like, eh, I wasn't, uh, picking, uh, Iowa out of the, uh, lineup wow. of what took place, you know? So kind of under a, the influence though, I would, I would well, definitely put a lot of money down on that one. Yes. A little supposition, little yeah. allegations, if you will. Anyway. <clears throat> Barry Rose, the next story. The headline reads, Motorist recovers pizza and wings from burning vehicle, gets charged with a DUI. Let's see here. Police say uh, that he came upon an unoccupied vehicle on fire over the weekend. The officer said he was returning from assisting with an officer water survival training uh, at the police academy when he and other concerned motorists stopped and fought the fire until the fire department arrived on the scene. The police officer said the vehicle owner appeared on the scene and appeared surprised his car was on fire. You know, hey, what the fuck? My car is on fire. Against advice of the police officer and other motorists, the vehicle owner then entered the burning vehicle to recover some personal items. All right. Police later learned the vehicle owner went into the vehicle to save his pizza and wings. First of all, <laughs> these must have been some pretty fucking good wings. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. And the pizza, I, I don't know. What do you think? I can definitely guarantee you this guy is not going in to recover his damn wi- uh, you know, pizza if there's pineapple on it. That's all I'm going to say. It's a controversial opinion to some. But uh, anyway, Barry Rose, Florida or not. <sighs> it, it's Think about how... I get the pizza and wings had to be good. 
because if you're going into a burning vehicle, I was going to say he had nothing else of value. Well, you know, if he's going in there to get like his wallet that's got some sure. kind of personal ID or 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 something Computer, like that. Computer, something. Yeah. yeah. But pizza and wings, really? You know? I'm going to assume. So let's look. Maybe could this be Buffalo, New York, the birthplace of, of chicken wings or Buffalo-style chicken wings? Because maybe that would be it. I'm going to say – I'm going to say this was not Florida. Minnesota. Wow. What's going I've on never, in Minnesota? I've never yeah. heard of Camp Ripley, uh, wow. Minnesota, or at least uh, on that uh, general locale, which is where the uh, the academy where the officer was at when he stumbled upon this incident. Next story, Barry. Oh, Barry. Good news. We have another story involving chicken wings. It's a theme. <clears throat> the headline reads, Barry, man stashed chicken wings, cocaine, and more into a bush outside the jail, deputies say. Man has been charged with trying to sneak a laundry list of items into the jail. Deputies at the jail say they spotted Michael Anthony Dixon, 45, leaving the area near the jail lobby with a box cutter. First of all, why are you going into the jail lobby with a box cutter? Might be the first Very question smart. because, you know, that's introducing contraband uh, into a jail, which is a crime into itself. So while searching the area, deputies found a large white bag stashed in a nearby bush. Uh, I, I don't know if this was the, uh, the, bu- the bush from the Three Amigos. <laughs> so, I remember that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, when they opened the bag, they found a variety of contraband they believe was going to be hoisted up into a jail cell through a broken window and what they call a, quote, contraband drop. So here's here's a list of the contraband that was in the bag that was going to be hoisted into the to the jail. <clears throat> Glue, ear pods, jewelry, phone chargers, cell phones, lighters, more than a dozen pack of cigarettes. Well, you know, those things are used for cash inside the joint. Loose tobacco, the old cocaina berry. Marijuana, sweets, and here's my favorite berry: cooked chicken wings. Mm. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're in the joint, you just can't get a good chicken wing. You, know? you can't. It's you a can't. fact. It, it's so yeah. depressing. Berry Rose, Florida man or not? Yeah, when I was uh, when I was working with Open Table, I was I was server hitting, manager. Uh, shit, neither. Okay. Senior sales executive, but I was trying to sell open table to all these different jails based off the chicken wings, right? Uh, I am going to say this did not take place in Florida. For the first time, Barry, you are correct. This is DeKalb County, Georgia. This is not. Wait, wasn't I just correct just a minute ago? Didn't I say it didn't take place in Florida? Yeah, I think first you said Buffalo. Well, I did. I'm giving you half credit. All right, I'll take half. That's fine. Okay, our last story for today, Barry. <clears throat> Driver takes drink of beer during traffic stop, police say. Wow. Yeah. Driver's accused of drinking beer during a routine traffic stop, according to the police department. Police say 25-year-old Jordan Craig was pulled over, driving at least 82 miles an hour in a residential area. That's always a good idea, by the way. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, officers say they could smell alcohol when they pulled him over. And can see an open can of beer in the console, along with other open cans in the car. Again, always a good idea. When the officer returned to his uh, patrol car to run the uh, young man's license, he said he could see him take a drink out of the beer can. According to the authorities, 
The uh, the young man then failed field sobriety test and at one point told the officers he forgot how to count. <laughs> he also admitted to drinking and vaping a T. Oh, Barry, your old friend THC. Uh, a THC pen. <laughs> officers say that uh, the young man then had a, blow, a blood alcohol concentration of 0.121, which is over the legal limit, Barry. I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. So, Barry Rose, Florida man or not? The officer pulls you over for speeding. You decide to take a swig out of the old beer while you got open cans in the vehicle. You got the pen with uh, the THC in it. Not a good idea, Barry. Now, I am going to say, I'm going to say you are on, this is going to be a sweep of non-Florida stories. I think this is the pattern. I will say ever since I months back told you that I look for hints, you don't give me any hints any longer. Yeah, you're damn right, motherfucker. I know. I see it. I'm <laughs> going to say this This did not take place in Florida. This, in fact, did not. This took place in Madisonville, Kentucky, probably down the street from Mart Hertwick. That's wow. Mark. Or Mark. I said Mark. Mark, <laughs> Mark Hertwick. Or maybe Mark. Jim Cornette. I don't know which one. You know, Barry, one thing we've established over the course of our 648 episodes, uh, something like that. Is that we are what if not we are we're not just in a category if I'm correct Jeff we are the penultimate in well, that category uh, I was we, looking for givers though well that's what I was going to say we're okay. the we're there's never been givers like us on the face of the earth before and because we're givers Barry we still offer more Florida oh. man stories so we thought we were done but now I've found even more so we're ready for more Barry. Are you ready to go? Of course, say no, because you always say no. No, absolutely not. Okay. The, people, the people love the Florida man story. They, so they do. They do. Uh, so the story is, or the headline is, I'm sorry, man who broke into gas stations, stole dog food, smokes, caught after leaving behind his debit card, Barry. <clears throat> That's never a good thing to do, says here. Uh, deputies responded to an alarm at a gas station early Sunday morning and found the front door of the business unlocked. After searching the gas stations, deputy found a debit card with the name Lance Kurtz sitting on the counter near a register. Jeez. Security camera footage shows a man entering the <laughs> store from the... This guy's obviously a brain surgeon. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, holy cow. Entering the store from the back and stealing several items before unlocking the front door and walking out. Police say they recognized Kurtz from a vehicle fire earlier that night. Oh, well, so he's a regular. Oh, apparently. sure. Yeah, got the frequent, they, the frequent miles or whatever they Exactly. Yeah. And they found him at the disabled vehicle where he admitted to breaking <laughs> into the location and taking items so that I could come back later and pay for it was his excuse. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he asked why he left his debit card, just so they know my name, you know, just in case I got picked up. I didn't want to steal anything. You know, that's against the law. Sure. I don't know if they teach you guys that. Uh, again, obviously. Uh, I don't know if they teach you guys. That's really yeah. what he said. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Well, this guy obviously is a good citizen, Barry, but is he Florida man or not? I don't know if they teach you guys that. That's always good. When you when you want to start instructing cops on what yeah. they're, that'll always end well for you. I think the very first day of the police academy, uh, that they, they pull you in and say, okay, here's our first rule. Uh, let me teach you guys this. Uh, taking stuff without paying for it against the law. That's rule one. <laughs> I love this guy. He, uh, he, the, he easily could be the poster child for Florida men based off this logic. No hints given here that I picked up. I'm going to roll the dice on this one. I'm going to say, yes, this did occur in the state of Florida. 
Palm Coast, Florida, Barry. Woo! Good guess. I will give you a credit and yeah. all deference for that one. Our next story, Barry. <clears throat> Fast food employee pulls guns on customer over chili cheese fries. Barry, are you a fan of the uh, chili cheese fries? Oh, brother? absolutely, yes. Well, according to this story, a checkers employee is accused of pointing a gun at a customer on February oh. 7th. Uh, Cetera Jones is charged with uh, aggravated assault after an argument that occurred just after 11 p.m. According to the affidavit, the customer ordered chili cheese fries, but her fries were old and dry. Oh, I hate when that happens. The customer asked Jones to remake her order and give her a refund. Jones refused to do it. According to documents, the argument led to Jones exiting the building. Eventually, she returned, pointed a small black handgun at the customer argument. A uh, officer said that the defendant admitted to the assault. Barry Rose, Florida woman or not? Excellent story. I, I will tell you, Jeff, as a uh, somebody that was born and raised in the state of Florida, we do take our French fried potatoes really seriously. This woman, she's from the state of Florida as well. Barry Rose, she in fact is not. Oh, Memphis, Tennessee. Home of Jerry, the King Lawler, currently recovering from his recent uh, ailment there. So uh, we're wishing the King all good fortune. Next story, Barry, the headline reads, Man bites off pet python's head during fight. Again, uh, obviously a a man of uh, intellect, a man of, uh, you know, uh, taste and style. But according to this article, a man has been arrested for allegedly biting the head off a pet python in the middle of a domestic dispute. Kevin Mayorga, 22, is accused of sinking his teeth into the snake after he got into an argument with a woman uh, in her apartment early Monday. Cops entered, uh, or I'm sorry, cops encountered the decapitated python after they responded to reports of a domestic incident at 5.30 a.m. 5.30 a.m., always a good time to have the domestic altercation because, you know, the neighbors, they won't, uh, you know, Respond to uh, people screaming at the top of their lungs. Officers reported hearing a man and woman screaming inside the apartment. Just like I said, the female shouted to the officers, just kick the door in. (laughs) Mayorga subsequently blocked officers from entering and briefly held the woman against her will. Officers tried to use a taser on Mayorga after he refused orders to come out with his hands up, but were unable to subdue him. Uh, let's see. Mayorga allegedly struck another cop in the face. Well, that's always a good idea, you know, striking the cops in the face. Police found the snake with its severed head near the front door after Mayorga was eventually detained. Barry Rose, Florida man or not? Mm, another tough one here. Very little in the way of clues. I gotta just flip the call. I'm gonna. I'm say, evasive on the clues, Barry. This is, and why? You know, that was that's my fault because I pointed that out to you that I listen intently, looking for clues. And ever since I said that, you have completely eliminated. That's all you're damn right. Yeah, so I I definitely took this upon myself and screwed it up. I am gonna say this one though is the state of Florida. This, in fact, is Cutler Bay, Florida, Barry. So where's that? that? Good, Cutler Bay. Uh, Cutler Bay is it in Dade County? I thought. Or that's Cutler Ridge. Ridge. Right, yeah. I never heard of Cutler Uh, Ridge. That's a good question. So so I'll tell you an old uh, courthouse story, uh, Barry. Uh, Sit down and, uh, you know, uh, get a a nice cup of joe. And, uh, you know, Uncle Booker is going to tell you a little story. Got a beverage? uh, Good. 
from the tales of the courthouse. So I uh, remember I was with the Honorable Judge uh, Susan Lebo, wonderful woman. Uh, the uh, prosecuting attorneys used to name her Let, her, let Him Go Lebo. That's what they called her. Uh, but uh, uh, by the way, do you, Barry, as a former resident of South Florida, do you know who Judge Susan Lebo's famous dad was? Lebo, I don't. Doc Lebo at Oakland Toyota, where it's the oh. discount that counts, Barry. Uh, anyway. There you go. So the story goes that we were doing a uh, animal cruelty case in front of uh, oh. Judge Susan Lebo, misdemeanor court, but the alleged victim was a snake. Now, as the prosecutor was presenting her uh, her case, uh, it was a non-jury type of setting. Uh, Judge Lebo, looking over the facts, and uh, looked at the prosecuting attorney and said, quote, is it possible to be cruel to a snake? At which point the uh, the prosecutor said, Judge, you know, please, I'm going to have to ask you to recuse yourself. She wanted to know, Barry Rose, is it possible to be cruel to a snake? What say you? Absolutely, it's it's possible. I think that yeah, well, apparently uh, Mr. and Mr. Mayorga's case, it was definitely possible. Yeah. So, yeah. So Florida man, Cutler Bay. Uh, we'll have to look, do some investigation as to where exactly Cutler Bay is. <clears throat> Final story, Barry. Starbucks charges couple over $4,000 for coffee, forcing them to cancel a trip. <clears throat> the story says here, uh, courtesy of our friends, the New York Post, which, by the way, is not a tip-off, Barry. Uh, Starbucks coffee may be expensive, but this is ridiculous. One couple got, and of course, you know the Post, they, they've got their creative writing staff out. So uh, listen to some of the gems uh, they throw out here uh, for literary <laughs> content. Uh, one couple got the Java jolt of their lives when they oh. ordered two cups of Joe at one of the chain's outlets and wound up being charged $4,456.27. Jesse O'Dell said his bank account got ground down. Get that, Barry. Ground down. Yes. After he made his usual coffee run on January 7th, ordering an iced Americano for his wife and a Vente Caramel Frappuccino for himself, which added up to about 10 bucks. Uh, hold on, we got some ads here. Uh, let's see. The father of four didn't realize what had happened uh, as he didn't immediately check his receipt, but his wife, DD, it's an excellent name for a wife, DD, DD, later noticed the four digit charge had been made for the drinks when she went to use her credit card at the mall. Apparently, where they live, they still have malls, Barry, uh, and it got declined. The couple said soon they contacted the company for help and Starbucks officials sent them checks to make up for the lost cash. Get a load of this, Barry. But the checks bounced. Aww. The checks from Starbucks. Apparently Starbucks, Barry, I don't know if you know this. They make no money uh, corporate-wise. Uh, so they're yeah, they're, right, exactly. They're not doing well. Uh, anyway, Starbucks is saying uh, you know, that, that we contacted their customer service helpline probably 30 to 40 times that day, noting that his family had to cancel a family trip because they didn't have the money at the time due to the error. Eh, spokesman for Starbucks told the Post that the first checks bounced because of a typo, of course, naturally. Uh, then a new set of checks have been delivered and cashed. So Barry Rose, they made up for it. But is this a Florida man or not story? I'm going to say this is not Florida. Of course, easily could have been, but trying to go off with some sort of pattern that you've got going here and i just i offer no pattern i know yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it's not florida oh oklahoma where the winds go whistling down the plains this is tulsa oklahoma barry rose it's time to put a rest for this week's edition 
a Florida man or not. Sperry, I got uh, an email right here before we started recording from uh, friends of the show at the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Oh, So, Barry Rose, let me ask you this. How many subscribers to the Observer would you think uh, there are? We're talking currently or, or uh, at all? Well, all in, this ca- in this case, uh, I'm talking specifically <laughs> our old friends at YouTube. Uh, how many YouTube subscribers do you think the Observer has? And now let's, uh, while you're thinking, let us uh, state that uh, apparently when you get to a certain, I don't know what the number is, when you get to a certain level on YouTube, uh, it becomes monetized and you can start making some uh, some cash from uh, your return on the YouTube postings. So getting back to the question, Barry Rose, how many uh, YouTube subscribers do you think uh, the old Melts uh, and crew have there on YouTube? Herb has got, I'll say Herb's got, 1,250 subscribers. Who's Herb? Herb is uh, Meltzer's real name, isn't it? Oh, no, that's Sorry. his dad's name. Oh, is that? Because I used to get, I when I used to get it, it used to come from Herbert Meltzer. Yeah, isn't no. it, but isn't it Herbert David it's, Meltzer? Uh, I don't know, but uh, no. So what would you, anyway, what was your guess? I would you, say 1,250. Like 12,000 or 120? Uh, 1,200. <laughs> Sorry. Big numbers, Jeff. I don't thank you. Find, thank you. Yeah, 1,250. Well, according to the email, he is 2,000 subscribers away. And that's why they're trying to uh, send this uh, notification out from 100,000 YouTube subscribers. What? That's wow. fucking crazy. That okay. Is. Uh, and I'm just saying, Dave. I guess there's a reason why he's living out in San Jose because he can afford to good Lord, Barry, a hundred thousand subscribers. How fucking crazy is that? Yeah. But you know, and that's, when you think about it, I, the reason I thought you were asking was it was going to be some ridiculously low number. Oh, it is. It's a ridiculously high number though. <laughs> yeah. 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 But Meltzer in his heyday, this is where we, before the internet, this is where we got all of our wrestling news. If you wanted something that was current, uh, you, you had really just a couple of alternatives. I do think his subscriber base is probably way down from what it used to be. Uh, and that's based off of the internet, though he still does a great job with obits and stuff like that. Uh, that That's huge. So he's getting paid. This is another revenue stream for Meltzer. All right, Barry, around the turn, heading for home. Boy, we had a little bit of everything, a little food talk, a little wrestling talk. A uh, little, holy shit, uh, you know, like uh, pro football talk. I feel like uh, for our listeners in the UK and in Germany, we should talk about uh, the Premier League. We should talk about the Bundesliga. You know, it's offering us uh, some uh, some football talk for those of you uh, in South America and Europe uh, and all points in between. But Barry, it's been a fun episode. It has too. And did you see it? They, they showed that last night too about uh, fans in Germany and Ghana watching. Yes, I did Super see that. Yeah, that, that was, was kind of cool. crazy. Yeah, yeah kind of crazy. So uh, a couple things before we wrap up and do the old a go home. Barry Rose, we have not talked about this one last wrestling related uh, content and material. Barry Rose, this past week's AEW, your thoughts, positive, negative or didn't really care on the MJF promo. Uh, First of all, let me tell you what I'm referencing. Sure. First of all, he made a very, uh, you know, uh, overt reference to a, a woman giving him a blowjob in the car. That's right. With a tongue on the side of the mouth. Oh, this and was the girl who uh, he killed. And he, he, he switched. 
He's women. He's he switched. alleged he switched. that he had switched seats with her because that's what he does because he's a, you know, whatever he's a winner or whatever. So was this uh just great heel stuff or was this a little bit too much for you? It was a uh, first off I should say too. apparently the, the township where this occurred, yes, they actually got calls, about 300 it. calls, I guess, immediately following the, uh, the promo by MJF. So the believability factor is there for people. I think for me, that's where I the believability factor wasn't there. I, I took this as a MJF doing a heel promo that is kind of uh, it was kind of desperate in some ways. I didn't like it. I wasn't offended by it. I just I still go back. I just feel like MJF has taken a step backwards in, in winning the well, title. You, you said you said I think it was either last week or the week before that you've been disappointed in MJF's run uh, as champion so far. Still there, and I'm still there. I just we had a great match with. Uh, I mean that that's funny. Take a shitta, right? Like that's. I give him a lot of credit for that. I think that's kind of funny. But Takeshita, they had a very good match. Uh, criticism on that match Takeshita didn't need to bleed because Danielson was obviously going to bleed later. There's more impact with that. That's fair. Yeah. I don't, I think I look, there's a lot of heat on AEW and a lot of it's justified. So I'm not here to defend it, but really do we need to bleed twice during a show? Can't we just have one match where guys bleed? And and your, your point is spot on Barry, because you know, if you have blood in every match, it doesn't mean anything. There you you go. And that's it. you, You know, and Danielson certainly, uh, you know, like uh, Takeshka was, uh, it, it looked like, you know, like uh, the proverbial, I've been cut worth shaving kind of stuff. Whereas Danielson was just, he was a mess. It looked dangerous. Uh, with Danielson. Yeah, it was very, very, so I guess my point was, uh, I think your, your term uh, desperation or desperate, you know, on there, uh, just trying anything to, uh, you know, you basically go out there and talk about how you killed a person. I mean, can you get much more desperate than that? And then. And let me just say, I love MJF's promos. He's great with the the snarky, you know, like uh, the smarmy heel stuff. Did he really need to sit there and, and you know, with a nationwide audience, eh, I get they're on cable and stuff like that, but you, you got fucking kids watching. And I understand kids of today are a, a lot uh, sharper and wiser to things uh, at, a, at a very early age than maybe uh, other people were, you know, 30, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But to, you know, make a, a gesture like that some girl was giving you head in a car, uh, I just don't think they need it. He doesn't need to do that because he's really good at what he does. That's my point is that he didn't need to do that. You know, the you know you wonder as much leeway as Tony Khan uh, likes to give people, you'd like to feel like, uh, hey, I- I'm going to go out there and uh, during my promo, uh, I'm going to make a reference to the fact that uh, this girl was killed. And uh, it was my fault, and I switched seats so she'd get the blame. And then I'm going to reference how she gave me fucking head in the car. You know, like, I don't know if Tony Khan was 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 given a heads up on that. But if he was and he let it slide, you kind of wonder, eh, what are you doing? But then, of course, you got the flip side of that. Like, maybe Tony says, just go out there and get some heat. And MGF, uh, you know, went off on his own, went off the reservation, as they say, uh, and did all that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, food for discussion as always. So a uh, couple things uh, on a personal note, as we uh, finally do the old go home here, uh, I want to mention, Barry, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I saw on Facebook and, and in Twitter, uh, our old friend, Tom Robinson, uh, his mother passed away and oh. uh, Tom made the announcement. Apparently she had been in hospice and stuff like that. So, uh, hey, uh, hey, TR buddy, TR shock. 
Barry and I and Lou were raising an adult beverage to the memory of your your mom. We're very uh, very sorry to hear about that. Uh, and uh, on that note, uh, I will just remind you that uh, Breaking K Fabe with Bowdrin Barry production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Uh, my boy Gunny, uh, buddy, I love you and miss you every single day, every single friggin' day. And for uh, my co-host Barry Rose and our producer Sweet Lou Kibbleman, we will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>